0: I shop online a lot, so much so that I'll receive packages and I won't even remember what I ordered. I don't feel too bad, though, because there's actually a name for this on Urban Dictionary, Amazonnesia, which tells me that I am not alone in this. And while we could delve into a psychological analysis around why I buy so much online, I actually want to explore how I shop online and how much of it is controlled by algorithms. Now. When I say algorithms, I mean like smart equations. They receive certain inputs like search terms, clicks, page views, things like that. And then spits out an output like a product recommendation. Because the gist of this episode is to explore how our previous behaviors can determine our future purchases. So let's get into it. My name is TJ and you're listening to You Might Also Like. (laughs) I'm going to take a wild guess and say that close to 100% of our listeners have shopped online at least once. What if I told you that the podcast you listen to can have an influence on what kind of products are shown to you? Would you believe me or would you call bullshit? Well, have you ever listened to a podcast and heard a deal where the promo code is something related to the show you're listening to? Uh, For example, if we were popular enough to have such a sponsor, we would advertise, and all of our listeners can enjoy 10% off with the code YMAL. That's Y-M-A-L. Sorry, that was my radio voice. Um, I won't do that again. That code is tied to that podcast. So when the listener uses that code, the company can assume you listen to that podcast, and they have now collected data on you. So the company isn't, like, nefarious because you're actually telling the company what you're listening to or what you watch when you use a promo code or click a link. They can use this information to offer product suggestions, or content to keep you engaged and to fill up your cart. Now, I know you all know this, but it's got to be said, right? Companies are in the business to make money, and each customer has a value assigned to them. Now, a value can be measured differently in different companies, but let's just use like the basic retail value here. How much revenue they generate from you, the customer. This metric uh, is, that's used for basic measure is called AOV or average order of value. That's the average amount of money you spend on every transaction. So if you make one purchase at $100, your AOV is $100. If you make two purchases, one for $80 and one for $20 for a total of $100, then your AOV is $50, $100 divided by two transactions. Now, back to my original statement where companies are in the business to make money, they are always thinking of ways to increase your value or your AOV. So when it comes to you as a customer, there are actually two main ways they can increase your value, right? One, they can get you to add more items to your cart. Or two, they can get you to buy more expensive items. Now, I'm going to continue to repeat this because it bears repeating, but companies want to increase your value, and product recommendations are one of the most effective ways to do this. These are areas on a website that present other products to you that the company believes you would be interested in purchasing. Something I learned in my undergrad when I was young, naive, and wanting to change the world, which, by the way, the only thing that's changed in that is that I am no longer young, is that there are two main types of goods. right? They're complementary and substitute. So complementary are goods that you buy alongside your main product. So if you're buying a cell phone, you need a phone case. And the case is complementary to the phone. A substitute good is a good that replaces your main item but satisfies the same need. So if you go and buy a box of Raisin Bran, but instead buy a larger box of Raisin Bran, you're substituting. Now, the product recommendation zones, or rec zones, these are the areas that hold product suggestions, use this kind of model. So if you're shopping for a phone, you may see a rec zone featuring phone cases that are complementary to the phone you're looking at. This tactic is to persuade you to add another item to your cart in order to increase your value. On the other hand, if you're shopping for groceries, like on Target's app or something, and you're looking to add a box of Raisin Bran to your bag, you may see a rec zone featuring other cereals that include a larger box of Raisin brand, which, you know, could be a dollar more. This substitute method is a way to increase your revenue. Is there an in-store example of a rec zone that you can think of, you know, when you actually walk into a physical store to buy something? Because they have rec zones too, but they just call them point of purchase. These are like the candy shelves, the knickknacks or with mitts and gum that you see as you're waiting in line to check out, right? These were designed to encourage you to add an additional item to your cart, increasing your overall value. Point-of-purchases have have to play to a wider audience, but when you shop online, the retailers can get really specific about what products they show you, and this is where the math comes in, okay? The data that feeds the algorithm, well, I mean the data that you feed the algorithm, because I hope this doesn't come as a shock, but companies track your every move on their website. In fact, I now listen to every move you make. Like it's a company tracking their customers. And if I've ruined that song for you, then that was long overdue because that is a creepy song. But let's take a step back because say like it's your first time on a company's website, right? It's like a first date. They know very little about you. Some things that they do learn um, immediately, like right away are like what kind of computer you're using. Uh, What's your approximate location? They don't know your actual address yet, but for now, it's like an approximate location. What browser are you using? Like Chrome, Explorer, Firefox. These are just some basic generic details that they can use to serve up basic generic suggestions, right? So for example, if you're in New England and it's getting cold, they may present cold weather gear to you to get prepared for the winter. If you're in California, um, I don't know, uh, but do Californias buy? Like fire safety equipment and sunglasses, maybe. So I, I mean, they're just taking a guess, right, based on what people in your area shop for on their website. All right, let's take a quick break and let the algorithm present some ads to you. Uh, why mall? Well, BRB. All right, uh, welcome back. Thanks for hanging in there. Now these guesses or products they may be presented in rec zones that are titled like popular products or most viewed. And this is somewhat of a test to see if you take the bait because the next thing you do will give the retailer a lot more data. Do you click on a product in the rec zone? Do you engage with the top navigation bar or do you use the search bar? Because once you make your move, the company tracks it. The more moves you make, the more they can predict what you're looking for, the more tailored the products are that they recommend to you. Now this is where you become part of a group, a segment, a collection of visitors that showcase similar behaviors and patterns. And this is a very powerful tool for retailers. It's powerful because they can use the past behaviors of others in your segment to predict what you will be looking for. Now, this person searched for a pair of basketball shorts. Well, the majority of similar shoppers bought a pair of basketball socks to go with it. You're looking at an Apple Watch. Well, similar shoppers bought AirPods as well. Now, are they always right? No, of course not. But the more you visit the site, the more you make purchases, the more they get to know you. If, if you set up an account, you give them your full name, your email address, your home address. This is how they get your you know, actual location. Um, you know, your phone number, they can use your email address to link you to other devices you use, right? So if you sign in to the site on your phone and use that email address and then sign in, you know, on your desktop um, or your laptop and use the same email address, they can link those devices together to you as a single user. And they can use all this data to send you emails, coupon codes, product deals that will likely lead to a purchase and they are getting very good at it. So should you be concerned? Well, I mean, it's up to you, right? I have a handful of websites that I buy from a lot. I love their products and I want them to show me what's new or what I might like, and it's easier to create an account so I can expedite my checkout process. I hate having to type in my credit card over and over again, so I'm happy to give them my information because I value their product. If you don't feel the same way and want to hide your information, there are ways to hide yourself. It does put more work on you, but you can do it. Now, I need to stress that you cannot stop a website from tracking your moves because as soon as you visit their site, they start tracking you. The best thing you can do is to try to remain anonymous, okay? So a retailer can have 10 different visits that appear from 10 different visitors. As soon as an account is created, those 10 different visits can be linked to one visitor. So my first piece of advice would be to not create an account. An account gives them demographic data, but it also gives them behavioral data, how you shop on your laptop versus your mobile phone. And this is a gold mine for retailers. Second bit of advice, Use different browsers. You know, if you visit a website on Chrome and then visit again on Safari, it will track it as two different visitors. So the behavior they track will be treated as its own. If you have to visit on the same browser, then, you know, just clear your cookies. It's different for each browser. So just Google clear cookies from Google Chrome or clear cookies from Safari or whatever browser you're using. Now, cookies are called cookies because, you know, you leave crumbs for the retailer to track So if you clear those crumbs, clear those cookies, and visit their site, they recognize it as a new customer. Just keep in mind though, that incognito doesn't really work for this. You still have to clear your cookies if you want to stay anonymous. Third, always check out as a guest. Now this ties a little into the first one because some retailers will want you to create an account to expedite your future checkouts, but just continue to check out as a guest and they can't link your other browser visits to you. Again, this is a lot of work. My final suggestion is if you're willing to put in this much work to remain anonymous, I would reevaluate why you're shopping with this retailer or just shop in the store and not online. The data the retailer collects to resell you their own goods shouldn't scare you. It's the data they share with other platforms and websites that should scare you. And we'll talk about that in another episode. But we we talked a lot about product recommendations and how retailers use this to increase your customer value. And these recommendations, they get smarter with the more activity you feed them. And, you know, there are some measures you can take to remain anonymous. But, you know, just remember, the future is the outcome of the decisions made today. And, you know, I hope you choose to join us here again here on You Might Also Like.